Hey, this is Kate, and you're tuned into The Wow Factor. Join as we talk with passionate guests who shed light on all things wellness. Join our conversations and find inspiration to live well, be well, and discover a wealth of wellness. Jody, our guest today, is the director of People's Rising Academy, a nonprofit 501c3 in Fargo, where prevention and lifestyle choice is the definition of healthcare. People's Rising builds athletes at life. You can support building someone into an athlete at life or contribute to their mission by going to peoplesrising.org and click the Change a Life Today button. Also, give them a follow on Facebook and Instagram at People's Rising. At People's Rising, Jody and the Director of Care, Dr. Miles, together are building athletes at life and give a positive connection to a happier, healthier life. Welcome to the show, you guys. I'm super excited to have you back, Jody and Dr. Miles. We're going to be talking about something that is a really unique thing that something I did never think to talk about before. And I think we're going to be excited for what we have to talk about today. We're going to be covering labs and what your labs actually mean. So Dr. Miles, could you tell us a little bit about what people can expect? Yeah, so I, today I want to go over and I want to educate the listeners out there on getting into the idea of preventative medicine and how important it is to get a baseline laboratory workup, whether, you know, most insurances offer these type of things and we just don't know about it because they're usually free, they cost money. And again, the healthcare system is changing and it's ch- changing for the better. Um, but we're still stuck in this reactive system, a system that waits for diagnosis rather than waits and looks for trends. And when we wait for a diagnosis, oftentimes what we find is that a person is so long into their condition that it's no longer about, you know, I don't want to use the word cure, but it's no, no longer about prevention and ultimately it turns into management. So managing, you know, a chronic diabetes case with, you know, a mild to moderate, you know, inflammatory load is a lot harder than preventing it 10 years ago, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. it, it just requires so much extra work, so much extra time, and then there's frustration. And the point of today is to give people an idea of what labs to start asking for and what labs to start looking for while we, you know, in further episodes, we might break this down and, you know, I'd like to get into every lab, but there is really, you know, there's no general screening test that is more efficient, effective, and affordable than a comprehensive blood chemistry panel. That's just simply put, you know, a comprehensive panel allows you to quickly assess the degree of health in a patient. And it is ultimately the tool in laboratory sciences that evaluates a new patient and their health. So these lab panels that we run and we like to run give us an immediate result of that person's health in this moment of time. And then it allows us to track that person over time. And without getting that baseline, you know, at a decent point in your life, you never knew or you never know what you could have been you only know what you are now. And it's usually when you're 50 years old and you're finally getting blood work for the first time. So again, blood work doesn't mean you have something. We need to start looking at blood work in terms of, okay, I want to know how to plan the next 20 years of my life. Granted, there's no major events. What does it look like? What are my genetic gifts? What are my genetic downfalls? How do I, how do I work around the genetics that my parents gave me instead of just plowing through and then waiting to react to you know some some family some family members and some people have a very you know high cholesterol load and that's just because it's hereditary and some people have a high cholesterol load because they don't metabolize sugar well and their pancreas isn't a very good secretor of insulin and they don't respond very well to excess sugar and some people smoke drink and eat cookies their whole life and live till they're 96. It, it's just wild. It's so different that you, you don't want to just go to Google and search something and say, okay, this is it. I'm safe. 
you really want to be make this as in, individualized as possible and then go forward with that. So what I'm kind of gathering too, I've been, you know, I've been hearing more and more about, you know, instead of blanketing people over like you had this X, Y, Z, it's more about every person is a very individual case. And even if they're given medication for something, they're going to metabolize it differently. They're going to, our body's going to respond to it differently and no case is the same. And is it, is it true to say that labs is a good way to give someone that, that customized care that is becoming more, um, more usable these days or more, you know, integrated these days, would you say labs are a huge part of that? Yeah. Labs are the part because it's objective, right? It's not, I feel this, I feel that. And it's like, no, I know what you feel, sir. Or I know what you feel, ma'am. But look, your triglycerides are 200 and your blood sugar is at 600. I know you might feel okay, but you can't keep up this level and expect to live that long, happy life because eventually your system will fail. Something will give up, something will give in. And, you know, whether it's your brain health, whether it's your joint health, whether it's the ability to walk and feel light touch and vibration in your feet and hands, something has to give to maintain your life. Your body will always sacrifice, you know, something that you kind of need first mm -hmm. to, to make sure something that you need need works. And yeah, you, you really, labs are the best way. They're, they're again, they're just objective and yeah. they don't, again, uh, I have a, a famous com commentator I like to listen to, you know, but facts don't care about your feelings. That's the same with labs. Labs are just, just a point blank in your face. This is what's going on. And then we get to care about your feelings, but labs don't care about your feelings. Doctors are supposed to. Labs don't lie either. That's yeah. the other thing, you know, and yeah. you, you might not know if you have high cholesterol that you might feel fine, but who knows? You could probably feel better. That's the difference is that to be aware of your, your blood work and your labs and just be mindful of that. I actually created a spreadsheet where every time I have blood work done now, I put it into my Excel spreadsheet and I watch. I'm like, oh, on this date, it was that and that and that. It just made it easier to look at that way. So, yeah, you know, it'd be really cool to see is like getting your, getting your blood work and like correlating it with, because like mine is, I get a lot of anxiety or emotional, you know, reactions to things. And it makes me wonder, you know, some days I can tell too, even if it's like low blood sugar or if I've been on high, go, go, go for three or four days and I have a crash day. And it's just, you know, I bet a lab would be a really good way to either see what I'm feeling is like the reality of my, how my body's responding, or if there's like something else in the mix that may be a really scary trigger, you know, you could use it so much to prevent a lot of, like you said, furthering you know, diabetes, um, you know, mm -hmm. you know, like degenerative, like brain health, things like that. So, so can you kind of break down Dr. Miles, like what exactly? Cause when I think of the word lab, I think of like science class in eighth grade. What exactly, <laughs> if you've never, I've never had a panel, I've never done labs minus like just the average, you know, you've never done labs. I've never done labs. I don't even know my blood type. Kayla. Oh, <laughs> wow, uh, really? This is good. Though. This is a good one for you then. But, yes, I mean, use it, this me is, as an example. <laughs> yeah. And, and, the, and the crazy part is um, you're not alone. And why you're not alone is, again, this is not the doctor's fault. You know, it, and sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. And this is from MDs to DCs to whoever's doing blood work, you know, at the time, healthcare systems. They prioritize the dollar over health. We are a dis disease management country and we're not too much in the early detection, but again, we're changing, right? You mm -hmm. see these colonoscopy, these poop tests, uh, mammograms starting at an earlier age. These are good things. These are preventative medicine. And the piece of the picture that we're missing is the lab work. Mm -hmm. You know, we're just, we're just missing it because again, healthcare companies, prioritize dollars over health. It's how you, again, they have to run a successful business. So at one point, you know, you kind of feel for them like, okay, they can't pay labs for everybody, 
But at another point, and my big emphasis in all this, is if you catch something now, the amount of money you won't spend likely on medication in the future is just enormous. But that's a hard thing to measure. You know, there's not enough, you know, there's RCT is probably not the right trial, but there's not enough retrospective trials out there that go back and show that preventative care is the best way of care, right? When it comes to lab work, now mammograms, colonoscopies, other screenings, desks, things like that. Yeah, these are good things that we're coming around to. Labs haven't made the rounds yet. But again, why, why people like you, Kayla, haven't done these or haven't done things like these is because, again, doctors are hesitant to bring them up in the absence of problems. So when Caleb comes in and just says, hey, I'm here for my female, uh, my yearly female exam, my annual exam. Oh, we got to love those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, another, that's a different horror show. <laughs> right? But again, doctors are evaluated on a regular basis to assess you know, the effectiveness as a medical provider in the HMO setting. So there's increased pressure to meet quotas and to meet contracts. So again, ordering extra tests often labels practitioners as unqualified or a doctor that doesn't know what they're doing, so they're ordering excess. So again, for example, if Dr. A and Dr. B um, see a thousand patients and Dr. A orders $30,000 worth of labs and Dr. B orders 5,000, Dr. A is likely going to be released or let go because they spend more money, right? They spend more money for the healthcare, you know, giver. Again, not going to call it any names here. There's plenty of healthcare things around here. Mm-hmm. Now we're starting to see that. But again, when doctors get labeled for effectiveness, ordering more labs, you know, in a, in a preventative setting, labels that doctor as somebody that probably doesn't know what they're doing. So they're just ordering and wasting money. So that's why a lot of us haven't heard of labs is because our doctor's aren't bringing them up because most people come in with absence of disease or very moderate, mild symptoms that, you know, we're just saying, yeah, you know, that's okay. Just, just eat a little bit better, get some sleep, de-stress, go exercise, right? Mm -hmm. All those are good things. But when you don't have that baseline and you don't have objective data, so you can be like, oh, wow, you know, I'm not as good as I thought, you know, it's hard to be motivated. And I, I know labs motivate me and I know numbers motivate a lot of people. We're a very science-based society now and we're very, uh, well, if I can see it and that's me, I'm going to change me instead of just waiting and see, you know, it's just, we need these labs. Doctors aren't pushing them as hard as they should be. And there's a reason behind that. It's not the doctor's fault. It's not the patient's fault. It falls on everybody. It falls on the doctor, the patient, and the healthcare model that we're in. Mm-hmm. But again, doctors aren't incentivized to run these labs. Instead, they're incentivized that. to manage patients. Mm-hmm. Dr. Miles, I totally can see that. Like, it's in their, you know, in their protocol to just stick to the basics. And I know, like, if you know, in the past, like I, I look at like my mom and other people that I know who have went in and tried to request, even request things, even like for, she thought she had Lyme's disease. She might actually have it. She never got tested. They wouldn't run it. They wouldn't run it on her. And I said, you you need to go in. Why is that? Yeah. Lyme's disease is a wild one. Okay. So you, there's kind of like, there's some like hush, hush, laugh it off diagnoses and they shouldn't be, but Lyme's disease is one. Oftentimes, you're going to, you know, you're going to run this ELSA, this ELISA, however you want to call it. Then you do some follow-up testing, um, depending on what stage of Lyme's. But oftentimes, they've missed the Lyme's diagnosis, right? Because mm-hmm. people usually have been told they're a little bit crazy. Yep, that's exactly they're, you know, they they're a little bit woohoo. It's, it's kind of like Lyme's, fibromyalgia, chronic pain, mm-hmm. adrenal fatigue. These are, unfortunately, what you know, and I've been at these conferences where people kind of laugh these off as well. We don't know what's going on. So we just told them they have X or we just told them they have Y, you know, and it's, it's pretty sad, but that's why when 
you go to somebody and say limes, there's kind of this pre-programmed response like saying, eh, you probably don't have limes. You probably have anxiety, depression, and you're really on edge and stuff like that. And there's like, no, there's, there's probably a reason why. And it's becoming less and less voodoo and more and more accepted now that there is, there's these conditions that we consider rare. They're actually more common than we think. But again, we're dealing with people that were taught in a different era. Just like I do with hockey players. They, they, when I train hockey players, they grew up in a different era of strength and conditioning coaches. Bigger, faster, stronger, right? Run through a wall, not run around a wall. Now we're training people to avoid the wall, avoid the contact, work a little smarter, not harder. And the same thing is happening with doctors. It's just, we're a little bit behind. So the Lyme's diagnosis, unfortunately, is one of those ones that just gets kind of thrown around like, oh yeah, they have Lyme's. Somebody rolls their eyes, nods their head, give them some Lexapro, pat them on the back, go exercise, do yoga. (laughs) That was dramatic what I just said, but it's what happens a lot. I see it a lot. And it's so frustrating. I've actually got a really good friend right now who is, was just diagnosed with Lyme's and he's been having severe anxiety, depression in the past couple of years. Like, and it's like, it's your body telling you when you look at anxiety and you look at depression, it's your body. Sometimes it's not just a disorder. It's a, your body's response to something that's out of whack. And we don't, Mm -hmm. And now I feel like we're finally, you know, taking that into consideration rather than writing someone off when back in, you know, when my mom was going in, in the early nineties or mid nineties with her Lyme, like she had the bite and she had, you know, the, the symptoms and she's still suffering. And then she was labeled with it fibromyalgia. So it's like, Mm -hmm. so now with this advancement, kind of like bringing it back full circle to um, the labs, is that going to be, is this like the way of the future to maybe look at some of these conditions like Lyme's fibromyalgia, things that are people diagnosed with, um, like at, in a different way, is this going to shed some light on some of these things? Is there opportunity for that? Right. So let's, let's just before I'll just give a general concept. So fibromyalgia, like you brought up, Fibromyalgia, people often look for, you have fibromyalgia and fibromyalgia only, right? We get, we're only allowed to have one condition in most models, right? You're like, oh, you have this and that's all you have. No way. We have to understand that the American lifestyle has, you know, blessed us with many conditions. So fibromyalgia could have started a long time ago with insulin sensitivity and then inflammatory load went up. And then guess what? Your cells, your neuronal cells that are out in your skin that tell you, oh, that was a tickle, that was pain, that was hot, that was cold, that was, you know, that was too hard, that was too soft, things like that. Those cells start giving you the wrong, wrong signal. And guess what? They start hurting. And before you know it, these cells can't come back to where they used to be. So they stay at this heightened level. And again, this is where you hug somebody you look at somebody, they eat a little bit of gluten or they eat dairy or they don't sleep well and all of a sudden their whole body's in pain, right? There's multiple conditions going on in this person. And if you would have ran the lab work 20 years ago to realize that, you know, their CRP, their uric acid, their blood glucose, and their lipid panel was starting to go up in the absence of no disease, this person is a ticking time bomb for a severe life changing event. So let's say the X event is husband dies or wife dies and the spouse puts on 40 pounds of weight and then they stop moving and then they go stay in their home, watch TV. And all of a sudden one day their joints start hurting and then everything starts hurting and then they get depressed about hurting and then you have fibromyalgia. Now they can't stop hurting and the depressive cycle goes full swing. This mm-hmm. could have been prevented, or at least the ticking time bomb could have been made way less, way less, mm-hmm. if this, their underlying problems would have been addressed. So again, that's why we do the labs. We want to know your inflammatory levels. We want to know your blood sugar levels. Are you converting your blood, your, your sugars to fat? Are you using them? Are you becoming sensitive to insulin? Are you anemic? You know, all these things matter. But when we're young, 
we are so resilient that they don't matter and they get swept under the rug. They get hidden as get over it. Or, you know, again, one thing I wanted to touch on with why labs aren't used as much is because of the word medically necessary. So when Dr. A, let's say Dr. Kayla says, I need to order a comprehensive metabolic panel, a CBC with differential and some inflammatory labs for patient Jody Plessity, you know, they're going to go through their review and they're going to put in the word medically necessary. They're going to say to which this test can they avoid authorizing without increasing the liability of malpractice to them. Okay. So breaking that down, what that means is if I don't order this test, would I be liable if Jody gets some crazy condition in the future? If the liability is low, they're not ordering that test. They'll deny Dr. Kayla's request to get this lab order because the risk of not ordering it for Jody is low enough where they can't be sued or the doctor can't be sued for malpractice in the future. It's kind of crazy, but that medically necessary word is thrown around pretty wildly in insurance world. So that, that's kind of how that works. That's why, again, we don't hear doctors pushing labs is because of the, the backlash they get. Doctors care about people. You know, we don't go into the profession, you know, trying to be, I don't know, terrible doctors. But when we get into it, we realize that what we're allowed to do is uh, definitely uh, out of the realm of what we want to do. And that's why you see more doctors going cash-based more doctors opening their own clinics, kind of like an independent medical examining clinic where they can run on their own rules and a little bit more freedom. And those are the places that I recommend patients go for lab work is, you know, get outside the mainstream, get in more into where, you know, you have a 30 minute visit, you have an hour visit that first time. So, you know, doctors understand you and they see you for who you are and not what the insurance wants them to see you as. Yeah, I've had some of my best care through the functional medicine side. I've gotten out of like the system per se. Mm -hmm. And that's where I've been able to really take care of a lot of my health in a better direction because it's just getting a different unbiased, you know, kind of look, doing the labs, doing all those different testings and stuff, understanding what's going on in my body and not having somebody in the insurance world regulate it, you Mm -hmm. know, so that's really been helpful to me. Private practice. They are the realm. They are because it is. They you have the flexibility and freedom. Mm-hmm. But think outside the box, which is to give the actual care that you want to give. I mean, I watch a show, and this actually really sparked me in a positive way. You know, there's a lot of doctor shows out there, and I've been watching one called The Resident, and it's actually shows a little bit of that reality, like the politics. It shows a little bit of what doctors are faced with, doctors that do care that give a everything to their patients, but they are hit with wall after wall after wall of red tape. And that show really woke me up to, you know, the person behind the coat who's caring, who's got a heart, who's like, I want to help my patients. And that for me was like eye opening. And I know it's, you know, it's this TV show. But it did, like, there are a lot of realities in that. And they actually touch on a lot of real, real issues going on. And, and I even, like, I even realized I was low on B12 because I was vegan at the time. And I was, I was feeling really out of oh, sorts. Yeah. And they mentioned that. Well, <laughs> well, that's like Dr. Miles. I mean, that's what he does. He's yeah. trying to get the person better. Yeah. You know, that's the bottom line. Is like the, if an individual comes in the office and, they're not feeling good or they're depressed or lethargic, you know, they're like, what's going on? Well, let's run labs. That's the very first thing he's going to want to do because he he needs to know what's going on inside of you. You know, that's like, the you know, honestly, it's, it's just like everything in this country is just kind of backwards right now with, you know, I've been studying a little bit on um, blue zones and how like the blue zone, it's not just the diet. It's the whole entire lifestyle is why these people live to 95, hundred years old because of the lifestyle and the American lifestyle is the exact opposite of that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, again, the American dream right. is great and people have taken advantage of the American dream. And one of the biggest, you know, proponents of taking advantage of the American dream 
is food companies because I know Americans are working. Americans want to win. Kayla wants to have the wow factor go through the roof. Kayla wants to win. So we know Kayla is going to be busy. How do we make sure Kayla stays fueled and has energy to stay busy? Well, make high sugar caffeine drinks, make quick and easy snacks. Exactly. Make sure it's salty. So the blood pressure goes up so you can function way better. Blood pressure is good under stress. Blood pressure helps you function. It gets, it gets blood there faster. And uh, yeah, blood pressure is good. So more salt, more sweet. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's go. That's how you turn up somebody that wants to succeed, which most Americans do. You take the American dream, you give it to them on a platter of salt, sugar, and caffeine. And ba-bam, you got a bunch of burnt out, insulin resistant, diabetic wannabes that are just striving for the ultimate dream of being free financially, spiritually, and mentally. And at the end of the day, they end up reliant and suffering on medication. It's wild, but the American dream is always going to be there, but it's been sabotaged by a lot of things. Like yeah. selling your soul now. And it's, you know, even I get notification on my phone from coffee shops. I love my, you know, I love supporting coffee shops. I love it. But like I get these conglomerate, these chains that are like, kicking me. Hey, double star report roars, double this, double that. Hey, double down. Hey, free dessert. And I'm just like, I look at this and I'm like, I went and got a coffee. And I was like, did I need that? Did I need that coffee? I like coffee, but it, it is so true. We are bombarded with this reality of marketing and all of these products. And we're seeing it taking a toll. What is it? 79% of people now are overweight. Oh yeah. It's getting up there and it's getting, it's getting pretty crazy. You know, it's getting, it's getting wild actually how much I see and how much people still don't know. It's wild. This this goes back to education at a high school level, you know, adding the ability to balance a checkbook and the ability to make nutritive, nutritive choices has to start happening. Mm -hmm. Like run your finances and take care of your health. That should be one oh one, ninth through tenth through eleventh through twelfth grade. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a part one, part two, part three, and part four, all the way through. But it is so so true what we're experiencing. And I think, you know, this reminds me of I take I take myself out of like if you take yourself out of August 2020 right now and go back to 1998. And if you say, say you took yourself from 1998 to now, I, and say you just like time traveled to 2020, I would be like, what the hey is going on in this country or in this world right now? And now it's kind of like that frog in boiling water scenario. If you put a frog in lukewarm water and slowly turn it up, all of a sudden that frog is toast. And I feel that's kind of where we are going. Yep. You adapt, you adapt, adapt, you die. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the sad part is you see the young children are, I'm like, what, even my nephew, for example, I'm just like, it's just going to get worse. Like he's seven, you know, and he is not healthy eater or any of that stuff. And it's just like, it scares me. Like, honestly, I just, it's overwhelming. It's so overwhelming. So the, the, the good news is, we, with the freedom we do have, at least for now, we can take what we know and we can educate and we can, you know, we can let the ripple effect go of the positive and people like Dr. Miles, who's shedding light, who's, and Jody, with your, what you're doing and with what I'm doing, shedding light on these, what we can do, labs. You know, we can order labs. Numbers never lie. That scale does not yeah. lie. Yeah. Everybody should have to, have, my opinion is there should be a full set of lab work done on every like child. Like once you reach like adolescence, let's say. Yeah. There should just be automatic what's going on in your body. So like Dr. Mouse said, you have a marker moving forward. You know what I mean? Right. If five, six, seven, eight years down the road, you need to do labs again. You can at least yeah. look at where you were. Thing, things are bound to happen. And it's good to have that baseline before they happen. And like, and like Kayla says, we have the freedom to choose. And yeah. a lot of times why labs, you know, get br- brushed under the rug is because like, well, labs don't tell us much. Well, because we're missing one more part of that. 
we're missing the physical exam. So if I, if I told you, Kayla, your labs came back, you had elevated fasting glucose, your triglycerides are high, your uric acid were, was high, and your CRP was high, what would that mean to you? I wouldn't know what to do with that. I have no idea what that means. Yeah, and, and exactly. And you probably shouldn't. But then a good doctor should come in and do an exam on you, the actual physical touching exam, and say, well, Kayla, it appears that, you know, after exam, you have some floaters in the back of your eyes. And actually, you've lost vibration on your big toe, and you can't tell the difference between up and down with your little toe. Now, we put labs, we put physical exam into play, and what, what do you think you're getting? What's going on? You're getting peripheral neuropathy from your diabetes, and you didn't know it because you have prediabetes. You haven't met the right range to be diagnosed as diabetic, but your joints and your peripheral, your fingers, your toes are going to feel it first, and you've lost the ability to feel in your toes and your fingers. That's where you have to put the labs and you have to put the physical exam together. It's easy to say, well, your blood sugar is a little high, your uric acid's high, CRP is a little high, and yeah, you could probably eat a little less grain. But then if you don't do the physical exam, you don't know how progressed that is. Because the thing I wanted to get into, and then we're going to really dive into these labs, is pathological versus functional range. Okay, pathological range is used to diagnose disease. Functional range is used to assess risk before disease develops. Okay, and the biggest difference with these is the, you know, the deviation allowed within normal range. And that's, that's a different talk. That's a lot of math and stats and science. Um, but again, a functional range gives you a trend. Kayla, you're trending towards diabetes. Well, if we say you're still in functional range, but you haven't met pathological range, you're not going to get diagnosed with diabetes. You might be given some metformin, you know, and say, oh yeah, I also have some fertility issues. Then they give you a little more metformin, slap you on the butt and say, okay, go have kids and live a good life. You know, that's not, that's what's going to happen because you don't meet the pathological range. And it's just wild to me that we don't start looking at these functional ranges because these functional ranges show us trends. And if I didn't, and if I only took glucose on you and I didn't do uric acid, I didn't do CRP, I didn't do homocysteine, and I didn't do a, an iron panel on you, I'm going to say, just eat better. Just eat five meals a day. Eat the Mediterranean diet, call it good. There's more to your story when you uncover labs. But if your blood glucose is at 102 and you can't, you know, you're having difficulty getting pregnant and your toes, you can't feel the ground as well. Your fingers are cold, your lips are blue and your fingernails are white and brittle. If all I do is glucose and don't do an exam, well, literally, I'm going to give you metformin, slap you on the back and say, you'll be fine. Or I'm going to tell you to go eat the Mediterranean diet, give you metformin and slap you on the back and tell you to go. Okay. That's just how it works. Or on the other aspect, again, not to pick on the conventional side, to pick on alternative side, I'm going to give you a copper and curcumin and some other supplements that are going to help stabilize your blood sugar. And then we're going to send you on your way, right? That if you don't do the exam and you don't get the labs and you don't put them together, you are missing a huge boat. And that's why, again, I think functional medicine doctors that do the physical exam and do the lab work catch a lot of people before things happen. And that's why we use functional range and pathological. If there's somebody that comes in and their thyroid is in pathological range of hypo or, or hyper, I'm going to refer them out right away. They need to get some help right now. But if they're in a functional range and you know, I see, oh, there's a little stress at home. There's a little bit of anemia, underlying anemia, primary, secondary, we don't know yet. You know, I order some more labs. I start working on the diet. I do an exam and, you know, we find out, hey, we could probably stop this from go, going full-blown hypo, secondary hypothyroidism due to 
chronically elevated stress, blood sugar that's, you know, your reactive hypoglycemic, you're not eating breakfast, we could probably stop a lot of this before it gets to the point where you need Synthroid or you need to be put on some type of thyroid medication, right? So that, that's the difference between pathological and functional ranges is that your doctors, most doctors are going to wait until you're pathological, meaning ability to diagnose you with this code to submit to your insurance. Thus, your insurance will now cover your services, right? It's a little bit late after that. It's a little bit too late. You know, and now again, you're on the metformin, especially if you're a female, you're on metformin, likely dealing with PCOS if you're at a younger age. Um, yeah, it, it's just, it's just the loop. It's the wild loop. It's like, it's so like jaw dropping. And it, it, it makes, a, it makes sense. Like what you're saying, you know, I, it, I get it, you know, I totally get it. And just as like a common, you know, just as like a person who, you know, isn't a health professional, I'm understanding now like this cycle of what's going on. So, so Dr. Miles, I kind of um, want to get into, so what are some of the labs? Because you talk about the word labs, like what does that all encompass? Is there how many labs are there? What kinds? Can you kind of go into a little bit of that? Yeah, absolutely. So if everybody listening to this, just take a moment, get out your pen, get out your phone, get out something to write stuff down. Okay. What we're looking for, what we're looking for is a CMP. And that CMP stands for comprehensive metabolic panel. We're looking to get a CBC with differential. Okay. We're looking to get a serum iron and ferritin, and that's it for that for now. Those are follow-up things that, we, that we'll do later. A lipid panel, okay, a CRP, C-reactive protein, a thyroid panel. Now, in this thyroid panel, I want you to write down TSH, T4, T3, free T3, reverse T3, TPO AB, which is TPO antibody. Okay, that's your thyroid. And then a vitamin D. So a vitamin D 25 hydroxy. Okay, that those are what we're looking for on that. And you know, in our clinic, when we use when we first bring in a functional medicine patient or a functional medicine and structural patient, we'll run a urine analysis on them too. So a UA. We'll see what their kidneys are excreting. And, uh, you know, it, more often than not, it's kind of wild, but you'll find random, you know, ketones, glucose, protein. You'll, you'll find all these things in urine. And it, it's pretty wild, actually, what you find that people don't know they have. It, it, it's truly amazing. You know, it, it really is. So a comprehensive metabolic panel. What, what that really looks at, and again, we're going to go over this in another talk, but why you want to get this is it's going to look at your proteins, your electrolytes, your, your sugars, your kidneys, your liver, and gallbladder. All those systems in a nutshell, how well they work with each other and how well they don't work with each other. Now, if you wanted to add on to that CMP, you can add an amylase and lipase. That's going to check your pancreas. And I'm starting to do that more and more now especially with people with uh, fattier diets and just, just, I don't know, I call it the Cheetos diet, the perfect food. I think we talked about it, right? That you stick it in your mouth, it melts. It's so gratifying. It lights up the dopamine area. And, mm -hmm. Another one. Those Cheetos will do that. Yes. Yeah. Cheetos and cheese balls. Those things are pretty brutal. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It is. How big food is getting? So again, now, now let's go to that, the white blood cell count. So that WBC with differential. That, that is a really good one. We use that one a lot. And what that tells us is if you have a white blood cell count, WBC, a greater than 10,000, you likely have an infection going on. Or you've had hemorrhage. Um, you, you know, there's some other things, bone disorders, leukemia. Anything above 10,000 is kind of wild. We very rarely see that because if people have that, they're usually white, pale, have a fever, and they're in the ER. So we very rarely see that. But what we do see is a white blood cell count less than 4,000. So when that white blood cell count is less than 4,000, 
we start to see autoimmunity, chronic viral infections, chronic stress, overtraining, and bone marrow depress, um, depression disorders. Now, again, that white blood cell count, we see a lot of those in the you know, 3,900, um, 3,000 range, you know, 4,500 range, right at that bottom end, that not pathological, some are pathological, some are still within range, but you can see the trend. And one of my, you know, favorite trends, not favorite because the people that are on it are suffering, but one of the easiest to pick out is if you guys are at home right now looking at your labs or you've, you know, pulled up some labs from Sanford or Accenture or wherever you go, if you see that white blood cell count, that WBC low with a high monocyte count, monocytes are these, you know, post-infection disorders, this that trend is Epstein-Barr. This is mono. I see this in college students. I see this in, you know, older high school students. I see this all the time that they've had it and they go through these periods, you know, they, they'll say I've been on and off tired for the last four years. And it seems when it hits me, it just knocks me out. Then I slowly get better and then it comes back again. So these Epstein-Barr infections, these chronic Epstein-Barr infections, see those a lot see those quite a bit. That's just a common thing that we see with lab work. Um, the other things with the white blood cell count are lymphocytes. When they're high, you think viral infection. Neutrophils, when they're high, you think bacteria. Eosinophils, we think allergies, food allergies, parasites. Um, usually what you see with these is somebody has been exposed to something. You can see welts, um, swelling, welts. Um, this is where the throat closes off. That, that lab marker goes high in those. Mm. Um, and that's basically your white blood cell with differential. Um, do either of you guys have any questions on that? I, I plan on going into these deeper, mm -hmm. but I just want to get people familiar again with what to order and what does it include. So your white blood cell count with differential is all about what are your Marines doing? What is your army doing? Who are they attacking? How viciously are they attacking it? Or are they attacking your body? And that's what that white blood cell count with differential is going to go through, is really determine what is the military in your body doing. Okay. That's good. These are really great, Dr. Miles. And I, I feel like it'll be a really interesting series to just take and break down each of these panels because, or each of these labs, because it just gives people an overview of what to a expect if they've never had labs or B just how to interpret their labs on a level that's going to serve them on a level that they can, you know, either take that information if they receive it and like go to someone who's a functional doctor or, or start in a functional, you know, practice first. Um, so I'm really excited to kind of dive in into this further. I mean, we're, we're kind of wrapping up on the hour anyway. So, um, I really am excited yeah. to see us dive in further. Is there, is there anything you want to touch on, um, along with that in labs? Um, yes, actually. Can you mind if I go over like a little case I just had? Yeah. Yeah. I'd like that. Okay. So with the CBC, I've left out the red blood cells, the hemoglobin hematocrit. These are the, the lab markers that we look for anemia, mm -hmm. very common in, um, Females that have, you know, heavy menstrual cycles, very common in um, vegans, different type of um, anemia. And that's, and that's the case I wanted to go over. So I did some labs on a guy actually, and he had low red blood cells, low hemoglobin, low hematocrit. Okay. So he has anemia. Now what we go to is the next part of those labs which is the MCV, MCH, and MCHC. And what that tells us, are your red blood cells small and weak looking, or are they big and kind of enormous looking? Well, this guy's were big. We call that megaloblastic anemia. And what we found out is his B12 was low, okay? B12 was really low. So what I, what I did in what you wanna follow up on with B12 anemias is what we do at our clinic is we do an MMA and we do an, an intrinsic factor antibody. So intrinsic factor 
is released from the stomach cells that splits B12 and breaks down B12 so we can actually use it. So again, going back to Kayla's little scenario, you either don't ingest B12 because of diet or lifestyle, or you ingest B12, but your body is killing the enzyme necessary to use B12. And that's what we found with this guy. He had intrinsic factor antibodies that were destroying the juice secreted by his parietal cells in his stomach, and he could not absorb B12. So what we did with him is we did B12 underneath the tongue, and we got his levels up, but we didn't get his levels up high enough, you know, that I liked. So we did B12 injections. Guy's feeling great. Okay, he had it pretty progressed. He was having some tingling and some weird sensations in his fingers. Now, the problem isn't cured, right, because he has this underlying autoimmunity, but he had a bunch of gut stuff going on. We did a stool test on him. You know, his caloprotectin was through the roof. We ended up finding out, out that he had um, Crohn's disease. And, you know, he just had a bunch of stuff going on. And his B12 is, you know, it made him feel better, but we got to treat the underlying condition. But that just goes to show that a simple CBC with differential started out finding anemia in a guy, which is very rare. Mm. turned into a follow-up test saying, whoa, you don't have any B12 in your system, followed by another follow-up test to find out that you actually have an autoimmunity. And it further, once you have one autoimmunity, we've talked like about this before, you probably have another autoimmune condition. Mm. We went and did some stool sampling while his inflammatory system was through the roof. So that's just an example of not being overreactive and not ordering all those labs at once. But ordering the basics that lead us to the real reason why something is happening. So that is a great example of a guy who, again, guys don't get anemia unless they're bleeding or they have some type of autoimmunity. And yeah, this is, is just kind of crazy. And that's just an, a quick example of something as basic as a CBC leading me down to a path to keep diving further and further and further. And it's like, wow, we have a to total full-blown autoimmune condition going on in as a guy in his early forties, pretty wild starting, got the B12 injections doing better. Still has some weird feeling in his hands. That'll take a while, hands and feet. That'll take a while to recover from. But uh, yeah, that's just from a basic panel, basic panel. It wow. makes me want to come get a lab done. Good job, Dr. Miles. Good yeah, so <laughs> Again, yeah. those, labs, those labs that I mentioned before are the basic ones we run, you know, but if I was to tell anybody to do anything, do a CBC with differential, do a CMP, do a lipid panel. And those are the basic, basic labs that I would order. If you're going to go see your doctor for the first time and you just want to know what's going on on the inside, those are the basic labs. And I would get them not as soon as you can. The world isn't burning, but get them as soon as you can. And uh, maybe add a vitamin D to that, given where we live. And yeah. uh, let's just go from there. That, that's, that's a great place to start. And you're really being proactive about that. For females, maybe add the thyroid panel on. But again, that's jumping into it. That's, that's spending maybe more money than we need to. But get the basics. That's going to lead us down the path that we need to go next. This is great. It's like mind blowing. Every time I talk with you guys, that's what I love about our shows. Um, it's so, it, it just shows like it, what, what this is doing too is it's like if say that, that patient you had kept going at the rate he was going and not getting answers and not getting answers, it could do some real damage to your system and take years off of your life potentially. And this is going to be, this is a way to, be very proactive about your life to take your health into your own hands in a sense of like taking responsibility and doing these things. And I think it's just a great way to learn about your body, learn about what your, how you function, what foods you function well with, what foods you can avoid, lifestyle choices. It can really bring a lot of, shed a lot of light on, on, on everybody's individual like selves. And I'm so excited for this series to kind of dive into what these mean in a little bit more depth. And this is going to be a really fun series. It's going to be a highly educational series. 
And don't worry, you guys, we're going to keep it super fun and super interesting and have case studies and, and do all oh, yeah, lots of case studies. Case. I'd recommend patients going onto their e-charts or their my health charts and mm -hmm. just download, mm -hmm. just download it. If you have labs and go get labs, if you don't, this, this is going to be really interesting. And, and I mean that, but it's only interesting with the data. Yeah. Get your data in front of you. So it can be about you. If it's not, you know, if you don't have it in front of you, it's just going to be kind of like, well, that's numbers. I'm healthy. I'm young. I feel good. Whatever. Yeah. You know, that's the mentality that most of us have. But get, go get some labs. Yeah. You know, get some labs for next time, whether it's two weeks or three weeks when we do this next. And we're going to start with the white blood cell count with differential. We're going to go through, you know, the anemias, the infections. Mm -hmm. in the chronic viral and autoimmune conditions in, the, in this next upcoming one and just have your labs in front of you make it individualized you will really like this series just because it's all about you it is totally all about you and how to read your labs and heck now that you know what to order you know go get those done you know i know it's tough times right now um it's probably not considered you know the most life alert type of care, meaning that we probably don't need it right now because there's more important things going on with COVID and patients. But if you get the chance to get some lab work done or you need to go in, just get it done, print it off, have it ready for the next talk. It's, it's going to be worth it. Yeah, really good, you guys. I, I appreciate you guys being on the show today. Um, you guys definitely check them out and check out, you can find Jody on people at People's Rising on Instagram and Facebook and then Dr. Miles. You're over at NeuroLife and also as part of the series. And he's on, he's our monthly doc, talk with our doc. And excited to have you guys back in the studio. Thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of The Wow Factor, where, where we help you discover ways to help you live well and be well. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Take care. Hey you guys, Kay here from The Wow Factor, and I just wanna thank you all for tuning in to this episode. And I just wanna leave you guys with a note. Remember, everything that you hear in this episode is for educational entertainment purposes only. If you are having any suffering or if anything is going on, make sure to talk to your primary care physician. Like I said, you guys, this is for educational purposes only. This is not a diagnosis. Make sure if you're interested, book with one of our amazing physicians that we have on the show or your primary care physician. You guys, thank you so much for tuning in to The Wow Factor, where we help you discover a wealth of wellness. Take care, you guys.